Welcome to Brave. Be inspired by the best leaders of Southeast Asia tech. Build the future, learn from our past, and stay human in between. I'm Jeremy Ao, a VC founder and father. Join us for transcripts, analysis, and community at www.jeremyao.com. Hey, Rahul, good to have you on the show. Hey, Jeremy, thank you so much for inviting me to your show. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here. Well, you know, what's interesting for me is, you know, I think I see this hunger in you uh, that has made it very interesting to have this conversation with you because a lot of folks are going to be like, wait, who is this Rahul guy? Uh, but I think like adding a lot of people, a lot more people should get to know who you are. Uh, so Rahul, for those who don't know you yet, could you describe who you are? I host a podcast uh, called Understanding VC, where I talk to VCs to learn more they, how they work. So uh, the reason why I wanted to do this podcast was that uh, I've been an entrepreneur for many years. Uh, and in 2020, 2020 last year, uh, I spent some time as a summer associate at Cocoon Capital. So I got to see both sides of the table. And then uh, I really feel that there is like a, a gap between uh, how founders perceive VCs. So um, I wanted to do something to bridge that gap. So uh, talking to VCs about things that you as a founder would be not very comfortable speaking when, when you're pro interacting with them or pitching with them. Uh, so I wanted to do that and then bring it out so that every founder can uh, get some value out of it. Great. And, you know, you've been an operator as a head of operations, as a co-founder, and even before that you used to uh, be, you know, an engineer, right? In the whole kind of like uh, Seagate and in semiconductors. But let's go all the way back to the beginning. And what's interesting is that you went to Tomasic Polytechnic, right? Which was where you went there. And that's not a common path, right? Because you see a lot of people in the founder and the VC world, a lot of them are going through junior college and so, so forth in Singapore. What was it like uh, studying at Tomasic Poly? Technically, the thing is, I had already completed junior what you call junior college here, uh, back in India, uh, the high school. So I, for some random reason, I applied to most universities and polytechnics in Singapore. <laughs> and uh, uh, I got admission in Tomasic Poly first. But I think I also got admission in NUS and NTU. Uh, but I did not get the scholarship. So uh, at that point... Uh, like SIA and NOL had a scholarship where they would bring 100 kids from India every year. So I did not get that. And uh, the fees I thought was like very expensive. So I decided to join uh, Tamasic Poly. Uh, Singapore is the first country that I've lived outside of India. I was born and brought up in India. Uh, so it, it was a very uh, interesting experience. Uh, so I studied electronics. And for the first time, I think when I came here, I had to do like a lot of part-time jobs to sustain myself. So I used to work in a lot of bars and also uh, do the schooling bit of it. Uh, it, was, it. It was like you grew up really fast because you had to take care of yourself. Unlike before when you had parents to take care of you, like your personal care, plus also finances <laughs> and studying and uh, like all those things together. So uh, you, you grew up fast. It's kind of probably like the, the NS experience for uh, a lot of Singaporeans. Right. And so, you know, you chose to go to Tomasic Poly, which, you know, wasn't a university. And then 
after that, from what I understand, we've talked personally before, was that you actually did start university, uh, but you know you had to drop out, right? So can you talk us a little bit more about what happened after you graduated, Polly? Yes. The, the plan was always, uh, I mean, this is the same with a lot of my uh, friends who came over from India. The plan was always uh, complete the poly and then immediately join the university, whether it's NUS, NTU or some other uh, private universities. So uh, I joined uh, UOL uh, for, uh, for some reason I had an interest in banking and finance because at that point uh, I kept hearing that this uh, investment management job, investment banker, uh, that was a very high paying job. <laughs> so I wanted to be something like that. Uh, so yes, in 2008, I joined, uh, I, I think I completed first year. And by second year, I had very a lot of difficulties uh, paying the fees. Uh, so uh, there were 12 credits for the entire course and I had completed like four at that point. And then the next year I could only do one unit. Uh, so it, this kept happening for a couple of years. And uh, it, it, it was like I had... <laughs> one loan that I was trying to pay off. And then I also had this, like no way to like uh, finance the new new year. Uh, I mean, the, the next subsequent years of my education. So uh, yeah, and then my, my father also got sick uh, due to diabetes complication. He had a long struggle for, for, for five years before he passed away in 2016. So uh, yeah, a number of reasons uh, I could not really complete that. But then yeah, out of that necessity, <laughs> I thought, okay, there's no way out. The only way out for me is to probably, again, maybe try building a business and making some money. So uh, that's why in 2012, uh, me and a friend of mine, we, we started a small business, which is like a graphic tea brand. We called it Loqui uh, in Latin, I think. It means to communicate. So all the designs of the t-shirt uh, would have this uh, symbols or graphics, uh, which would communicate a message. So it was like unique in that sense. Uh, again, the inspiration at that point of time for me was to do something similar to what Threadless did in the US, where they had a community of uh, designers, creative designs, and then uh, yeah, they would sell it back to the community and uh, other interested people. So I wanted to do something similar. So, And it, again, uh, one other thing was that I just wanted to prove to myself that I can do build something from scratch. So we, we started with a $10,000 budget. Uh, we actually got <laughs> so-called investment from a couple of friends. Uh, and we did all the mistakes <laughs> that you could possibly think of, uh, including manufacturing a shitload. Like uh, we manufactured 2000 pieces instead of like a small batch. And then <laughs> we were clueless as to like how to market. So when you initially build a business, you focus too much on product you think that, okay, just because you built it, you think that uh, it's a great product and then people would buy. But I quickly realized that's not how it works. <laughs> so one, we didn't set, it, set aside a lot of budget for marketing. And the second thing is that we did not know much about uh, marketing at all. So it was really hard. Uh, but then uh, we, we did a couple of interesting things. We did uh, sell uh, our t-shirts in a uh, store in Haji Lane. Uh, in Arab Street uh, on a consignment basis. So that was one. And then we also did sell in a store in Tamasic Poly. So Tamasic Poly Business School has a store where students run the store. So we, we sold a couple of pieces there, but these were all very small numbers. The biggest mistake that we made was that we overproduced. So, I mean, if you're an entrepreneur uh, and you've not read the Lean 
framework you will eventually learn because that's the only way to like sustainably try out anything like, you know do a bunch of experiments very small experiments with as little resources as possible and then you see uh, whether something happens so uh, again i remember like uh, this was heading towards a failure and uh, the one thing that i did not want to be was like a failure because i the, the only two people who did business in my family they were like incredible failures so they bunched a lot of i mean they made a loss a huge loss and uh, lost a lot of family property and what not in india so i did not want to be like them so that drive to not fail was one key factor where i kept on trying to make somehow make this work so moving forward what we what i did with designs was that i produced in very small quantities and then i also took advantage of uh, certain events so there's this cricketer uh, sachin tendulkar so he was retiring back in 2013 so i kind of knew that he would retire uh, in november uh, so in september i came up with the design and there are a lot of people in india who are crazy about uh, this person and uh, uh, so and i also read a news that some guy in us uh, when osama bin laden died he sold 10000 t-shirts for 12 dollars each and he made like 120k on the week osama bin laden died <laughs> so i thought okay maybe this is a good way to sell so i came up with the design early i did not make like thousands or something i just made few hundreds i knew that i could sell and then uh, yeah th- that i eventually ended up selling all of it this way you learn that okay you produce what you know manage with what you can and then you sl- slowly build from there i kept doing this these kind of things for a bunch of a uh, few months and then uh, i was making like 2 300 dollars every month uh, so after a while i was doing this on top of the job that i had so it was really tiring and uh, there were a couple of my friends who said that <laughs> i look like a cancer patient <laughs> i was too stressed and tired so after a while i thought okay uh, this is not uh, worth my effort and then i i just uh, stopped working on that but uh, i really like the experience uh, of this uh, creating something on my own and then adding some value so i was discussing a bunch of things uh, with a, a long time friend of mine uh, from tamasic poly and uh, in 2014 so he's a really good engineer uh, and he built a toy 3d printer so it was like this this was a time of uh, the whole 3d printing hype uh, in i don't know whether you remember in 2012 there was a spiral 3d from singapore which raised like millions of dollars on uh, kickstarter so this was around that time and then so he had built a toy 3d printer and i said okay let's let's turn this into a business because uh, this toy 3d printer if you think about lego uh, the reason why lego is such a great toy is because you can make any toy so what if you have a printer which can make any toy that would be like a greatest toy so uh, lego was kind of our inspiration so we decided to do this full time and uh, we had a, a a small angel backer who invested like 25k uh, into the business so uh, we we built this prototype but th- that was also the time when you look at the hype cycle of that 3d printing technology that uh, the hype was going into the trough of disillusionment and we could not get anybody to uh, even uh, like consider investing in the business uh, to take it to from pro- prototype to production but we were looking at all these uh, toys and stories and all these things so we found an opportunity in the independent storyteller so 
if you look at the long tail of storytellers like there's only toy lines for disney marvel and all these big storytellers right there's no to- storyline like toys for all the stores independent or store small storytellers so and with 3d printing there's no need for economies of scale that was at least our hypothesis at that point that you can you can even make like 10 pieces of a toy uh, if 10 people is interested so we kind of uh, worked on this hypothesis so we worked with a bunch of online storytellers uh, including a, a, st- a storyteller from singapore called ever comics uh, so we came up with five toy line and the thing with 3d printing was that the quality was really poor and the margin for the business was really small <laughs> and it was high cost for the end consumer so everything possibly wrong with the product <laughs> that was 3d printed toys so yeah we we did this full time for one one and a half years and then uh, during the process uh, this whole process i was like uh, networking a lot and talking to a lot of uh, investors in singapore so uh, we knew couple of investors and uh, who had invested in a startup called freshmonk uh, in in india and uh, the the founders of the company were not uh, keen enough of uh, like continuing with the business and they wanted to exit the business so uh, two investors one michael blakey from cocoon capital and uh, samir narula from august one uh, they asked us whether we and my, me and my business partner would be interested in taking up that business so uh, we thought that okay uh, i mean during that whole f- fundraising process uh, we noticed uh, like a commonality that if you had already exited a business then your likelihood of raising funding is pretty high <laughs> so i thought okay this is an opportunity to probably save this business and make a name for ourselves uh, <laughs> should probably never do that <laughs> without if you're not if it's not your baby don't 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 take care of other things like don't take uh, yeah someone else's so uh, this fresh uh, fresh monk the business uh, was a custom apparel platform very similar to uh, what was that teespring in the us so it's like a platform where uh, like anybody could uh, like with an audience could come and design and then uh, if like 10 20 people buy uh, they would just manufacture and ship it to all those customers individually so even a business uh, a team could just come and design their corporate t-shirts and then we can just manufacture and send it to them so uh, again at that point when we took up that business uh, teespring had a valuation of like 600 million or something and then within few months uh, just the at the time when we actually signed all the agreements the valuation went to like 15 million or something <laughs> so that whole model kind of really collapsed because uh, all this big like influencers who had audience realized that they could do this with shopify and also other fulfillment services in the us and they don't need like a, a marketplace or something like this to do this So the whole thing collapsed, uh, but we just wanted to somehow build a sustainable business uh, in India with Freshmonk. But uh, the 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 market conditions in India it, it made it really difficult because these were custom apparels, and then most of the sales in India, like in Southeast Asia, is in cash on is on cash on delivery. So and these were all a lot of people a lot of people ordering our uh, products were first time internet buyers. they did not know anything about buying online so and especially when you don't have to pay for stuff they will just order and then 
when when the product is delivered they would say no i changed my mind i don't need it anymore so the infrastructure and uh, the customer behavior was not really apt for something to be really successful especially custom products and it still is uh, getting better but it's still not there this whole cash and delivery has to go away there's an interesting thing uh, with logistics especially with cash and delivery the logistics company earn two times the money if they don't do their job so if if a logistics company don't deliver a product uh, and they return it back to us they earn two times more money than they would if they did deliver the product so the incentives are not aligned for them to do their job so it made it really hard and uh, there, there were a bunch of other things like uh, the month we were supposed to go profitable uh, country demonetized the currency <laughs> a lot of bad luck on the way but uh, we we put in our own money uh, we tried our level best uh, i think the investors really appreciated that the grit that we showed uh, after that I, i took up a job as a head of operations uh, for a company fintech company based in singapore but then they had an engineering team in india uh, i managed like uh, recruitment uh, branding employer branding like high level strategy uh, people operations and stuff and then since then i've been back in singapore uh, i did a small internship uh, at cocoon capital i had already always asked michael that i wanted to learn how vcs work and then after that uh, now and i started a podcast called understanding vc so uh, entrepreneurship is my thing this has been like a really long introduction from me yeah so uh, you know you've been you know out of necessity you know you've been working as an engineer in you know the semiconductor side as well as being an entrepreneur right uh, yeah. to make money to sustain yourself and your family um so why the interest now in vc what i realized is that in the last few years uh, that my expertise is possibly uh, in e-commerce or building consumer brands or things like that but then there are also other markets like healthcare is something that i really like where uh, i would like to do something but then um i don't have the expertise to do that then you kind of when you are an investor in the company it's like you are seeing what you want to do realize through someone else at least you get the feel that i see i notice this a lot with other investors vcs as well that when they talk about their portfolio companies they they mention them as we <laughs> technically they just yeah i mean they just investors but yeah they also feel really part of that that journey so i i would like i mean that's one of the reason i i'm interested so uh, the perfect life would be to continue to be an investor and also invest in like maybe one or two startups every month that would be the the perfect life so why the podcast is it because it's a way for you to you know show what you're learning in public how does the podcast fit, fit into it because it feels yeah. like it's part of your learning journey as well right exactly uh the, the couple of reasons uh one reason uh, to get uh, good investment deals is when you provide i mean the one way of doing it is when you uh, do provide genuine value to other founders in the in the region so as an individual with limited resources i thought uh, the one thing that i could do was like create content and uh, podcast seemed like a very uh, good media type and also the style because i have to talk less i can let the guest talk a Uh, share as much of journey and so that way i'm creating quality content uh, and we are providing value to founders and the way i look at it uh, 
the the more i keep doing it uh, over a period of time uh, the more successful i can get uh, as possibly as a vc do you ever feel frustrated or how do you feel about the fact you know like because life has been hard for you right you know you had to take care of family you know you had to drop off you know undergrad and you know not in the cool splashy you know mark zuckerberg way right but yeah. in the i think much more common way of taking care of family way and you know you've made your way to become a founder and as a business person to break even or to fund your way through life right so how do you feel about that yeah uh, it's really really frustrating there are times uh, like even as an entrepreneur when i started out i remember like when we were doing the 3d printing startup we used to apply for y combinator and all these accelerators and the first time i get rejected it was very difficult to deal with setbacks but then oh, when this keeps happening repeatedly you get better at it to deal with uh, setbacks so it's like a rubber band uh, you, you know you, the, the more you stretch <laughs> it gets easier over time when you keep dealing with setbacks it becomes a norm so i i felt that i was becoming a stronger and stronger person and becoming more determined over, over a period of time uh, that that was a really uh, positive things positive thing that happened although it's like a really crap feeling uh, but it, i i kind of felt that i was getting better that way uh, personally that was one and then uh, I, like i went from singapore uh, to do business in india and we had a very limited amount of runway and the things in india never run nothing ever happens on time it's incredibly frustrating so our bank was the dbs bank but the dbs bank in india does not work like the dbs bank in singapore <laughs> so there, there was a time that i had to shout at the our banker uh, in front of all, all their uh, like customers uh, my 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 emotions were not in like check uh, the that initial few uh, months but i feel that now it's it's a lot better i'm a lot more in control uh, i can like you know uh, deal with things a lot better Uh, both emotionally and also like yeah dealing with all the setbacks and you need to you need to have that capability because a lot of times it's going to be like really frustrating and things will never happen or a lot of things could go wrong and but you can't get like really upset and waste a lot of time you, you still need to remain calm and collected as much as possible so uh, th- those personally those two things have re- like really improved over the time for me so what's interesting to me is that you know you're a person who understands both worlds right you know you've been you know grew up in india you've been an immigrant to singapore uh with uh, you know the scholarship right that let you yeah. kind of get through the education and then vice versa you've gone back to india to work and now you're back in singapore to work so yeah. you're kind of like straddling both of these worlds how do you feel about that do you you know are you leaning towards one way or the other uh how do you feel about it yeah so uh in singapore uh it's very high quality life the infrastructure uh and even with the startup infrastructure from the government the policies and uh, setting up a business in singapore is like signing up for gmail uh, an email account it's that simple straightforward and even if i've been to iras indian revenue authority many times 
and uh, for filing of your accounts or anything very helpful incredibly helpful people uh, you find none of those in india it's like the complete opposite the government is trying their level best not to let you succeed it's it's that kind of feeling uh, but i think there is also a plus point for uh, all those obstacles because then you 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 try even harder in in singapore i think uh, it's like a bubble i feel that uh, i've become a lot street smart uh ever since i've lived in india uh, i don't take no uh, the the uh, one example is that uh, so I, uh, like after living in india for a while i came back uh, and i went to dbs bank to get a bank statement or something uh, they they said that it would take few days and then it, they would charge like 20 dollars or something like that and i've tried uh, like arguing with them see this is just a piece of paper and then uh, why can't you give it to me they write then and there i got it done for free so the previous me who had lived in singapore before would never question like why things are a certain way but uh, ever since living in india i tend to like a question a lot more like why is it like this why is it why it can't be better so uh, that that yeah you become more street smart you think of more uh, and in singapore it's like a bubble where everything is like straightforward and taken care of you so you don't think outside the box like what people say or something like that so i i'm i'm not leaning towards both uh, anything i like both uh, singapore is like a second home to me amazing and you know last question i have here to wrap things up here is could you share with us a time when you were brave okay <laughs> so i did this head of operations role with this uh, procter and fintech group i think back in 2019 uh the company was not doing well so in 2018 december we had set a budget for the year and then we gave everybody the raise uh, and we finished their uh, whole performance review session so when you, when you are a leader then you sell a story for the next year right so these these are going to be our role and uh, you tell your team that uh, when when you are having individual sessions that uh we are giving you this raise and we expect this and that and so we had already set aside a story but for whatever reason in february my boss asked me to like cut our uh, operating expense by half so we had to fire like uh, 75 people so uh, i mean i had to do that so <laughs> i was the ops guy and uh, th- this was really hard because uh, then you're changing your story it's a hard thing for you to do because a lot of people just uh, like ask me like you told me something and then you gave me good raise also and then now you're asking me to go uh, within just two months so uh, it, it it was honestly very hard uh, i felt like really hard waking up in the morning because i knew that you know going to office i had to fire people and i this happened for like several weeks uh, so that was a really tough time but then I, I try to be as empathetic and then uh, explain that yeah, th- this is neither your fault uh, or the company's fault. You know, the business is really not doing well. And then uh, what I kept telling people is that uh, you would realize that okay, this is this might be like a really hard thing to go through right now, but uh, I, I mean I've seen people from this company itself like within a few months get a job, and most of them have got a better job. in a better brand like uh, uh, maybe an adobe or something like that so th- uh, so this is what i've kept telling them so 
yeah uh, that was a hard thing to do but then uh, now i can comfortably say that i'm really really good at firing people uh, and uh, i think at least 90% of the people would say that 90% uh, of people who have fired wouldn't really hate me i believe i truly believe that because uh, i've tried it to make it as easy as possible uh, to each one of them uh, and also not create any sort of like damage to their future as much as possible and really helped and uh, th- this includes even the the office support staff so uh, before they left so in india uh, the support staff are people who like uh, take care of office maintenance and stuff like that so i made sure that all all of them were like sent to a course either like a small computer course or like tailoring or driving or something like that before they left so that, that, that <laughs> this is one brave story probably yeah Arul, thank you so much for sharing the story. I really appreciate you uh, just taking the time to obviously share a little bit about your educational journey and the tough times that, you know, caused you to start becoming a founder. Uh, And I think it was also interesting to hear some of your, you know, the ups and downs, right, of being an operator uh, in the world across both India and Singapore. So thanks for that. And lastly, you know, thanks for sharing a little bit about how you're building in the open, right? Uh, around yeah. your interest and curiosity for VC via podcast. So thank yeah. you so much, Rahul, for sharing all of that. Yeah. Uh, uh, thanks. You, thank you once again uh, for inviting me to your show. And uh, yeah, I, I feel that this has been a really good conversation. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Brave. If you enjoyed this podcast, Please share this episode with friends and colleagues. Sign up at www.jeremyow.com to discuss this episode with other community members in our forum. Stay well and stay brave.